from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America. As six players from mm-hmm. PVIL made it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but a lot more of those guys were, well, some of those guys were the first African Americans to play in previously all white programs. Right. And, and even more of those guys were uh, historically black college uh, uh, Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. You know, guys who, you know, back in the day, that was their only outlet. If you were black and you wanted to stay in the South and go to college and play football, of course, your, your uh, options were very limited. And primarily, the, that, that was a golden time for uh, black colleges because they fed off of those black high schools. There weren't all these big major uh, right. recruiting wars and that sort of thing. It was almost a direct pipeline from black high school to black college. And that's when the black uh, the black college programs really really flourished. Michael Hurd, director for the Texas Institute for the Preservation of History and Culture at Prairie View A&M University, and author of Thursday Night Lights, the story of black high school football in Texas, published by University of Texas Press. Growing up in Houston, Texas, Hurd remembered attending black high school football games on Wednesday and Thursday nights. As he grew older. He wondered why there was a lack of information regarding these teams. In his book, Thursday Night Lights, Hurd covers 50 years, from 1920 to 1970, of black high school football history in Texas, including championship seasons and legendary rivalries such as the annual Thanksgiving Day football game between Houston schools Jack Yates and Phyllis Wheatley, which drew standing room-only crowds of up to 40,000. He also writes about the outstanding players that made their way into the National Football League, the Black College, and Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, Thursday Night Lights, the story of black high school football in Texas with author Michael Hurd, In Black America. I just thought that was a great story. It was a great story, not only in terms of of Coach Charles Brown and what he did with that program mm-hmm. over a six-year span. But also, I thought it it captured the general sense of, of the PVIL mm-hmm. and of what that era was like. And we're talking um, the 60s right. for uh, Coach Brown and, and Conroe Washington, the Conroe Washington Bulldogs. And I just thought that story, that story resonated with me so much. that All right, this kind of sums up that the PVIL experience and would be a good way to introduce people to this book uh, because of the team existing during a segregated time, the team's relationship uh, with the white community in Conroe, and some of the stories that the guys had to tell. According to Michael Hurd, the author of Thursday Night Lights, the motivation for his book stemmed from his high school days in Houston, Texas. As a graduate of Worthing High School in Houston, he was exposed to the many outstanding athletes and coaches that were the Prairie View Interscholastic League PVIL produce. The history of these teams and the things these players and coaches had to endure is unbelievable. He writes about racism and violence throughout the book. Through interviews, extensive research, and surviving memorabilia, Hurd presents a portrait of a vibrant African-American culture that also loved this football. In a state where football is king, it seems unimaginable that a large population of student-athletes are relegated to playing their football games during the week. During this pernicious form of segregation, many of these games were the highlight of the week in small Texas towns. 
recently in Black America spoke with Heard regarding the revelations he uncovered. I was born in Texarkana, Texas, right on the border there, Texarkana, Texas, and Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I was on, born on the Texas side. And uh, we were there uh, until uh, about fourth grade. Uh, my family moved to Houston, and I completed uh, school there. I uh, went to Worthing High School, uh, graduated in 1967. So uh, that's kind of the short story. You know, I spent eight and a half years in the Air Force as a medic, uh, including a year in Vietnam, and uh, came to the University of Texas. Worked for the Daily Texan, uh, got my journalism degree, and uh, started a career as a sports writer at USA Today and the Austin American Statesman, eventually Yahoo Sports for a little bit. And so at some point in there, I took this right turn into black history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the process of uh, uh, putting together a book, my first book was about the history of uh, uh, football programs at historically black colleges. Okay. And I did that. I covered 100 years of black college football and looking at what that history was all about. But in the process of doing that, I, I would go to libraries and, and look at uh, black newspapers uh, on microfilm, you know, Chicago Defender, right. the Pittsburgh Courier, because they, the, they were the main advocates for uh, uh, black college sports. And so I just wanted to see what people have written about, you know, some of the teams and get familiar with uh, some of the players and that sort of stuff. But in the course of doing that, I, my intent was to just look at the sports pages, but I couldn't do it. You know, I, I would get stuck on the front page and then we just start going through the whole paper because there were so many things that, well, oh, why don't I know this? You know, why don't I know this history and, and so forth? And uh, at that point, I just took this turn into just studying black history in general. And that started my uh, journey uh, towards uh, studying black history in Texas, which uh, has led me to uh, Prairie View a m University and the Texas Institute for the Preservation of History and Culture, where uh, I'm researching and documenting uh, 500 years of black history in Texas. Now, you left out your involvement with the Texas Preservation Project? Yeah, the Texas Black History Preservation Project. Uh, my good friend Roxanne Evans and I started that. And uh, and uh, we found out that we were doing work that was very similar to mm-hmm. what the TIPHC was doing at Prairie View. And so at first we started out uh, uh, trying to get a partnership with them. And uh, as it turned out, the uh, then director of the program had stepped down. They had changed directors uh, a couple of times. And the the position opened up, and it was offered to me. And so I, I jumped on it because it's it's exactly the work that I want to be doing. The subject matter in terms of black history in Texas is is, is very much in line with my research. So uh, when I went over to Prairie View and started doing the work there, um, we uh, closed out the uh, TBHPP. Now, what sparked that initial interest in sports journalism? Well, growing up in Houston, I... Uh, you know, like I guess most little boys, well, not most, but a lot of little boys, you know, I, I love sports. I uh, love reading the sports pages religiously every day, you know, and, and, and going to the ball games and, and, and so forth. And I had always, I'm from a family of teachers. My okay. mom taught, and so we always had books around. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I always read, and I knew early on that, you know, one day I want to be a writer, you know, and so... 
it so happens, you know, writing and sports. Right. I like sports. I like writing. I, I think I'll be a sports writer, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what uh, that's what led me to be a, a sports writer. Uh, almost a dozen years at USA Today, uh, where I am technically a founder of USA Today. I was okay. on their uh, first staff and uh, when the mm-hmm. paper came out in 1982 and was there for another uh, 11, 12 years. What led you to want to take on this tremendous project, Thursday Night Lights? Well, in a way, it was a no-brainer. And I I write in a book that I feel like I'd been writing that book since adolescence Mm -hmm. because I grew up in an era where most of of these guys played. Uh, So my knowledge of high school football was about the guys from the PVIL schools. In fact, when I first heard the term uh, Friday Night Lights, I had no idea <laughs> what that meant. Uh, it, it had no meaning to me. And in talking with, with some of the guys for the book, uh, another quote, one of my favorite quotes in the book is from this guy. I, I asked a guy about Thursday Night Lights, and he said, that Thursday Night Lights, that's white folks. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. it does. That's what the connotation is. Uh, but the games that I saw were, were on Wednesdays and Thursday nights at Jefferson Stadium in Houston. And Jefferson was the... Uh, public school facility for um, uh, the Houston Independent School District. Uh, white schools played on Friday and Saturday nights, and the black schools played on uh, Wednesday and Thursday nights. And, and those were the games that I saw. Now, in, in the course of uh, 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 my work as a sports writer and then uh, you know, uh, evolving into a, a historian, this story just kept coming up to me. And a few years ago here in Austin, I went to a, a banquet, uh, mm-hmm. which is sponsored by the Prairie View Interscholastic League Coaches Association. And these are a bunch of uh, guys who had coached at the black high schools back in the day. And every year they at their banquet, they induct uh, former coaches and players from the PVIL schools to their Hall of Fame and Hall of Honor. And I went one year, 2007, they had it here in Austin, and right. I went for the first time. And just talking with those guys and, and, and hearing their stories and being familiar with some of their stories, I, I just got totally jazzed about, you know, somebody's got to tell the story because no one has ever done it. Mm-hmm. No one mm-hmm. had ever done it. No one had ever talked to those guys about that era and about the things that they had to go through you know, to participate in athletics, you know, and, and so forth. Nobody knew their stories. Nobody knew their successes, of which there were many. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of incredible players and coaches that came from those schools, and no one had really written about them in any kind of uh, in-depth manner. Some of the daily newspapers had done something, would do stories about, uh, you know, playoff games and, and so forth and so on, but in terms of feature stories and regular daily coverage, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, again, no one knew those stories and I wanted to bring those stories to light and that's that's where the book comes in. What is it about football in Texas that makes it such holy, I guess, the, <laughs> the term to use? Well, I, I think a lot of it's just uh, the, the, uh, the penchant for Texans to be so <laughs> braggadocious. Uh, you know, uh, hey, we play the best high school football. Yeah, we got the best high school football here. Of course, you get a, bit ar- a big argument from the people in California, Ohio, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and Florida. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Texas had laid, has always uh, had that Well, I, I looked up the stats for the most 
players by states in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Florida's first, mm-hmm. California's second, and mm-hmm. Texas is third. And by by cities, Houston is fourth, and Dallas is sixth mm-hmm. as far as the number of players in the National Football League. Yeah, and uh, you know, and the, the, the PVIL. Uh, six players from the mm-hmm. PVIL made it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but a lot more of those guys were. Well, some of those guys were the first African Americans to play in previously all white programs, right? In, and even more of those guys were uh, historically black college uh, uh, Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. You know, guys who you know back in the day that was their only outlet. If you were black and you wanted to, to stay in the South and go to college and play football, of course your your uh, options were very limited. And primarily, the that that was a golden time for uh, black colleges because they fed off of those black high schools. There weren't all these big major uh, right. recruiting wars and that sort of thing. It was almost a direct pipeline from black high school to black college, and that's when the black uh, the black college programs really really flourished. But in terms of the state and its image, you know, Texas has that that image about playing the best football. And but I write in the book that. That image was not solidified until mm-hmm. integration, right. when you brought together, you know, black kids and white kids starting to play on the same teams. But before that, you know, I, how can you say Texas has the best football? I don't know that you can even say that the UIL was playing the best football in its own state, given the the PVIL's existence and the incredible amount of uh, uh, great players and coaches who, who who came out out of that era. We're going to get to talk about some of the players in the PVIL uh, league, but tell us about the difference between the UIL and I think it was the TILCS. The TILCS. Those different associations mm-hmm. dating back to, I guess, what, 1920? 1920. Well, actually, the uh, the UIL uh, started in 1910 okay. uh, at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. But in their, in their charter, in their constitution, they were very specific that their membership was open to, quote, any public white school mm-hmm. only. So they wanted nothing to do with, with the black high schools and left them on their own. So um, 10 years later, in 1920, the Texas Interscholastic League of Colored Schools uh, mm-hmm. came together at uh, Prairie View. Uh, and basically it's just a group of, of uh, black teachers who said, you know, our kids need that kind of governance and guidance that the UIL is providing for white schools. And uh, so they started, to, they started to come together in 1920 at a track meet. Mm-hmm. It didn't have anything to do with football, football at the outset, right. but it came, it came to be, uh, and their main, their main event was this state track meet uh, at Prairie View every spring. But that, was the, but that was the big difference. So why Prairie View? Prairie View, uh, back in the day, Prairie View was a hub, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, kind of a mecca for the black community in Texas okay. in terms of education. I mean, Prairie View is only uh, a couple of months older than Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So they came together about the same time. But of course, you know, given segregation, you know, you had to go to Prairie View. Of course, there were other uh, private schools, Wiley and, and Bishop and mm-hmm. so forth uh, came came along. But Prairie View was the public university for um, for uh, for black kids back in the day, and Prairie View would host the uh, state championships for basketball, uh, track and field, but also academic and and uh, band events, and so kids got exposed to the school 
you know, early, early and often, you know, when they competed in all of those competitions uh, for the TILCS. And uh, I, I, I don't have a stat on that. And I, I, I'm still trying to find that in terms of what percentage of the black population, you know, back in the day before integration uh, mm-hmm. attended Prairie View. But for the most part, that's, you know, you had you had to go to black colleges, and in terms of the public schools, uh, Prairie View was a school that so many uh, so many of the black kids went to. In the book, you write about the frustration in trying to find the numbers. Football is a game of numbers, yardage, you know, passing percentage. But when integration came, those particular stats were either thrown away or, or, or discarded for whatever reason. Why was that such a frustrating part that you had to deal with in trying to write this narrative? Well, it was a little bit of um, both of those things that you just mentioned, John. But one one thing was that the schools, uh, the school administrators themselves, coaches, uh, whoever, weren't very good about keeping statistics okay. game to game. Mm-hmm. So when I started digging around, basically what I found and what was still available was the results of state championship games. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's, it's pretty void. There's no way to say, there's no way to say that I found, and, and I'm pretty sure uh, it doesn't exist. You can't say, uh, you know, Joe Smith was the leading, the all-time leading rusher mm-hmm. or threw this many touchdown passes in his career at, at a high school. There's no, There are no statistic records like that. So... That was incredibly frustrating. A coach named Walter Day, mm-hmm. who coached at Corsica County Jackson, uh, uh, where he made the, 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 the bulk of his career. When Coach Day retired, he took it upon himself to go around the state and to document mm-hmm. as much as he could. He went to newspapers and, and, and libraries and, and found all of these stories and made copies of all of these stories. Uh, about the championship games, and he put it together in a book uh, called Remembering the Past with Pride. I mean, it was just a hand-bound, you know, mimeograph copy. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't available in bookstores and that sort of thing, but, you know, he, he passed it out to, to friends and, and, and folks like that. But that was a tremendous help for me, at least to get that and to 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 give me more names and to give me a little, a little bit more insight to uh, who some of those people were. But beyond that, there really was nothing there. And when integration came along, most of those black schools were closed, right. you know, and just demolished. And with no care for, well, we need to keep this history and that history. We need to keep these trophies, you know, we need to keep these banners and that sort of thing. A lot of those um, items were tossed into garbage bins. A lot of them were just thrown in closets to gather dust and cobwebs, uh, forever and that's where some of those things were retrieved but there wasn't a a a really good sense there wasn't a good effort exactly to keep all of that stuff and in terms of statistics to to keep that stuff as well if you're just joining us i'm johnny O'Hanson jr and you're listening to in black america from kut radio and in the studio with us today is michael hurd director of the texas institute for the preservation of history and culture at Prairie View A&M University, and author of Thursday Night Lights, the story of black high school football in Texas. Everyone that writes a book has to have a starting point. Why don't you start with the Booger T. Washington Bulldog Championship Day? Well, 
I just thought that was that was a great story. It was okay. a great story, not only in terms of, of of Coach Charles Brown and what he did with that program mm-hmm. over a six year span, but also I thought it it captured the general sense of of the PVIL mm-hmm. and of what that era was like. And we're talking um, the '60s right. for uh, Coach Brown and, and Conroe Washington, the Conroe Washington Bulldogs. And I just thought that story that story resonated with me so much that all right, this kind of sums up that the PVIL experience and would be a good way to introduce people to this book uh, because of the team existing during a segregated time, the team's relationship uh, with the white community in Conroe and and some of the stories that the guys had to tell, you know, about that relationship yeah. and, and talking about, you know, just that era and what it was like for black people uh, in East Texas, uh, of which I, I, of course, am a native myself. So, so much of what they had to say and, and so much of what went on, I just thought it was a perfect intro for what the PVIL was about and what some of the, uh, uh, the programs were about. I found it interesting in the book that you had wrote about most of the coaches at the high schools weren't trained to be coaches. They were actually teachers in other mm-hmm. subjects, and they did this as extracurricular activities to give the kids something to do. And mm-hmm. basically they got the job by knowing someone else mm-hmm. who knew someone else <laughs> that knew that this school needed a coach. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's another thing. I love the, the story that uh, Coach Brown uh, tells uh, when he, he talked about, you know, his ambition growing up in right. his Texas was, you know, he wanted to be a truck driver. driver right. you know, he, he didn't know anything about football when he started playing football. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when he did start, you know, he, he got into it. And, uh, you know, so he goes to Wiley and he plays for Pop Long and and be, he becomes an all-swack player and, and that sort of thing. But still, he's thinking, okay, I'll play football and I'll, I'll go back to Montgomery County and... <laughs> Right, You know, I'm, I'm going to be a truck driver. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, but he gets sidetracked. He starts really enjoying the game. And he gets a call, you know, from a guy who knew, you know, the, a, a guy at Wiley, the president exactly. at Wiley, mm-hmm. and, and says, hey, we need a football coach down here. And, and it, end up, it ends up it's going to be uh, Coach Brown. So he goes to Shepherd, Texas, mm-hmm. which is not far from Conroe. Uh, they, needed a, they, they needed a uh, football coach. They also needed a football team. It's like, right. They didn't even have a team. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Coach Brown has to go there and uh, get that program started. But his interview was basically just, you know, he shows up and they said, all right, you got the job. Right. <laughs> that was it, basically on the recommendation from, uh, from somebody else. And that's how, he got, that's how he got his career started. One would think if they read the title of the book, it is definitely all about football, but that's not so the case as we had, I had stated earlier before we started this, this conversation. Why was it important for you to set the context of what these individuals lived through and went through trying to attain some level of success, either in the classroom or on the football field? Well, I, I don't think you can talk about that era I don't think you can write about mm-hmm. that era and not write, write about the the deeper story, the deeper mm-hmm. uh, meaning for what that era was like and and what African Americans had to go through just to get, excuse me, just to get to that point. I mean, we're talking about a state, or uh, well, an area, you know, the mm-hmm. Deep South, 
where there was a big debate about states spending money right. on education, education for African Americans. And most people thought it was a waste of time. They can't learn. They don't want to work. I mean, that whole, all of the, all of, every negative stereotype you can think of uh, existed. Well, they was going to shut down PV after the first year because they figured now, the students weren't academically attuned to learning. Yeah, all, all eight of them. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't doing any worse than, what was that, A&M? Exactly. At the time. Exactly. Right. <laughs> In fact, they, 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 they shut it down for a year, I think. Yes. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they started it up again, and, and, you know, and here we are. But I just didn't think, I don't think, you know, like I said, you can write about that era and not write about the social aspects uh, of that era, you know, and, and what uh, African Americans had to go through, you know, to, to get the right to be educated, to get funding to be educated, even though that funding was, was incredibly inferior right. to what white schools and, and white students and white teachers even, even, even got. So to talk about sports, mm -hmm. just sports, I mean, maybe, maybe the book is like, you know, <laughs> 10 pages long. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a very brief book. But there's so much more context in terms of the social aspects of uh, the African-American community and its growth and survival. So this book is not only about sports. I think this book is also about black history in Texas, which is what my research focuses on at uh, Prairie View. They tell the story that Duffy Doherty, the great Michigan State coach, mm -hmm. probably had a house in, in Beaumont. Oh, he was my, there so Beaumont, much. Right. You know, and he coaches in the Midwest and the uh, Far West and some of the mountain states started coming in and, and saying, hey, you know, University of Texas, you don't want these guys? You know, uh, we'll, we'd be more than happy to take them. And so you start to see a migration. Uh, again, more closer than we get to integration in the 60s, you see this migration to the Big Ten and to the Pac-8, which it was back in the day, right. and uh, to the Mountain States. So you have one group of kids who are channeled to black colleges. Mm -hmm. And then as we get closer to integration, you start to see some of those kids uh, going out of state. What was it about you researching some of your heroes that you knew growing up and watching them play mm -hmm. and learning their history? Oh man, that that was that was a trip. I, <laughs> you know, because you know, you watch these guys, you know, back then and say, "Oh man, this guy's a great player," mm -hmm. and then you you know, maybe see him in the pros and that sort of thing. Uh, but not really knowing their story, story right. you know. So, like one of the guys that I, I really like was uh, was Eldridge Dickey. Right, I was going to ask you about him. He's the first one that eventually had white shoes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Dickey was with a broken ankle. So. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dickey Dickey played at Booker T. Washington High School in Houston. Put Kenny Stable on waivers for two years. He did. You know, uh, Eldridge. Eldridge was just beautiful to watch, man. I mean, mm -hmm. and he threw these tight spirals. You know, and he ended up going to Tennessee State right. uh, back in the day and just set all kinds of records, uh, passing records at Tennessee State, took him to their first black college national championship. And then he gets drafted by the Raiders. He's their first round draft pick ahead of Stabler. Mm -hmm. You know, and apparently he, he played very well when he, when he did get to play in the exhibition season. Michael Hurd. Director for the Texas Institute for the Preservation of History and Culture at Prairie View A&M University, and author of Thursday Night Lights, the story of black high school football in Texas. 
If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to your future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at kut.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.